0: Morning everybody. As Eric said, my name is Matt Doan, one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to open the Word of God uh, with us this morning on this November, beautiful November Sunday. So if you have your Bible or a device, I want you to open up to the book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews, specifically chapter 11 here today. As this whole month, we're slowing down in this study of the book of Hebrews to really focus in on chapter 11. Which is often nicknamed the hall of faith. For it shows the testimonies of people who had great faith. Another way to say it is great trust in God as God directed them. So Hebrews chapter 11 is where we'll be sitting today. I've titled this message... Obeying the Promise Keeper. Uh, Promise Keeper, maybe some of you men will remember this from the 80s and 90s. Remember the Promise Keeper men's ministry movement and guys met all in stadiums across the nation. And I was part of that as well. But uh, as Promise Keeper in this title for this message, I'm actually referring to God as the Promise Keeper. And notice, I'm not saying obeying the promise maker. Although that's true of God. He is the promise maker. But we're taking it a step further when you look at the scriptures. Because not only is God the promise maker. He is the promise keeper. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen to that. It's true. The scriptures tell us that he's the maker and the keeper of his promises. For God cannot lie. And so our role is to obey. Now thinking through this thought or words. You see this classic uh, Charles Schultz uh, comic strip from Peanuts. And it's Charlie Brown and and Lucy. And you might not know this, but every year Charles Schultz ran this comic with a different caption right around Thanksgiving time. And the idea was that Lucy would promise Charlie Brown, I'm going to let you kick the football. And Charlie Brown would always be skeptical. He'd say, well, no, last time you offered this to me, you pulled it back at the last minute. And she'd be like... Charlie Brown. I know that was, that was before. This is new. Uh, you can trust me this time. I promise I will hold the football for you to kick it. And so Charlie Brown would get all excited and in his innocence would go back to kick the football. And again, every year, Charles Schultz would depict this scene where Lucy would pull the football from Charlie Brown. Now, just to be super honest, church is a place you can be honest. Often, I think, this is how we feel about God, that we hear a promise from God in our lives and then we feel like the football is, is pulled from us. Maybe your experiences of this past year in 2020, you've felt at times like the football has been pulled back from you, so to speak. And I think the heart of this passage from the author of Hebrews is that we be refreshed in our faith. That although we may feel at times like the promises of God are pulled from us, that's far from reality. For God's word can be trusted. His promises can be counted on. And so we can believe in him. We can have this deep-rooted faith in our lives. And so my my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will refresh you through his word even to have this deep-rooted faith once again. Although, thinking again of this topic of obeying the promise keeper, maybe it's not the promise part that you have a difficult time with. Maybe it's the obedience part. Tim Keller, who I don't agree with all of his theology, and, but I really like what he says here. The fear is if I obey God, I will not be happy. And then look at this line. This is so good. This is the same lie that Satan told in the garden. And so when we're called into obedience, there's this sense, and it's been happening to every single person, you're no different than the first people in the garden, Adam and Eve, is that Satan would twist God's promises and ask them, do you, do you really believe that? You know, God's holding out on you in some way, form, or fashion. You need to take control of your life, because if you, if you truly place your, your faith and obedience in God, you're going to be let down. And that's just not the truth. When we look today again at Hebrews 11, you'll be reminded of that. So let's look there. Hebrews 11, verse 8. We study the life of Abraham. Look at verse 8 with me, and it says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. By going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore... There was he born even of one man, and him as good as dead of one man, that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them with the, from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they're seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, verse 16. They desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We'll stop right there for the moment. So good. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Forever. The God of promise, the promise keeper who gave these promises to Abraham is the same one who's faithful to us here today. Go back to verse 8 of, of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, again another word for faith is trust. By faith, trust, Abraham, when he was called. In the original language, that word called can also mean summons or invitation, To be more specific, to add a little color commentary to that word, it can mean a royal king invitation. I went on the internet and I found uh, the actual invitation to Prince William and Kate's wedding from 2011. Imagine if you would have received this in the mail uh, earlier that year, 2011. This personal invitation from the royal family of England, to go to England to be part of this ceremony with William and Kate. You women would have all those big remember those big fancy hats that all the ladies were wearing for that wedding. And So imagine you're there and you re- or you receive this invitation, this summons. Wouldn't you just clear out your calendar to make sure that you could be there? But wouldn't this be a big deal in your life to be invited to a royal wedding? Now think back to this word again, this, this summons. How much greater is the calling, the invitation, the keenly summons of God compared to an English royal wedding? It says when he called, he invited, what exactly did he invite Abraham to? We'll look at Genesis chapter 12. If you want to quickly turn there, you can. If you'd like just to follow on the screen, that's fine too. But Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we read details about this calling to Abraham says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your relatives and your father's house to the land which I will show you. So this, is, this is a giant calling. It's a huge sacrifice on the part of Abraham. If you read in Genesis chapter 11, you read about the Tower of Babel. How humankind had tried to build their way to God. And in their sinfulness, God had scattered the people of the earth around the world, and so Abraham's family was no different. They were scattered, but they ended up in a piece of land that was pretty good for them. Uh, Their family had wealth, and in that culture, family was everything, right? You didn't have social security, insurance. Your family were those things, and so you would never leave your family because that was your source of provision and protection if anything went wrong in your life. And so Abram would never on his own leave his country. Later in the Old Testament, we read that Abram's family was godless. I shouldn't say it like that. Abram's family followed pagan gods. They didn't follow the one true God. So here is Abraham being invited, royally summoned by the one true God to leave his family and to leave his country. He has no back story with God. He has no faithful track with God. He's beginning from square one. But then look what he does. Or first, read more about the promise. God says in verse two, and I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And then the second half of the promise is this from verse three of Genesis 12: And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's an incredible promise from the great promise keeper. But then back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. I just think it's phenomenal. We can't gloss over this. So Abraham receives this divine calling. And then the next word over, it says that he obeys. And I imagine between those two words described here in Hebrews 11, verse 8, that there was a lot of thinking, a lot of contemplation. Can Abraham really trust what God is saying to do? But it ultimately comes down to he was called and he obeyed. In the original language, that word obeyed can also mean open the door. Isn't that cool? Like the idea that when Abraham was called by God he opened the door to say yes. That's my prayer for all of us, family, brothers and sisters, that we would open the door to the things that God calls us to. And so Abraham opens the door, he obeys, and then he goes out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. Uh, If you scroll down quickly, at least in the NASB, the word inheritance or promise is mentioned eight different times, which I think means the author wants to make this a really big deal. He wants us to understand the motivation that Abraham had to, to say yes to this calling, to obey, to open the door of this calling. Abraham was counting on the promises of an inheritance, of a future life with God. You read down in verse 16, just this simple sentence. They desired a better country that is a heavenly one. And I think this is true for us here today too, huh? We, we all desire a better country. It's really interesting coming off an election. We have different people and philosophies who present to us, hey, if you follow my philosophy, my platform, this will provide you a better country. And so we've been, that, we've been analyzing that, right? Which political system or party or candidate will give us a better country? But we do it in our individual lives too, not just on a political realm. Um, During Santa Ana winds or whenever I notice something on my house that's broken, um, I often daydream of this place. (laughs) This is a house that's currently for sale uh, on Redfin. A little shout out to Redfin uh, in Tennessee. And every once in a while when life gets hard here in Santa Ana, I just kind of let my mind wander to like, oh, what would it be like? To live in this giant five-bedroom house, I would have like a man cave right there. And look at like all the beautiful fall leaves and colors. And you can't really see but there's a backyard where the kids could like run and and play in the woods. And and so every once in a while, this is my better country. I just kind of like daydream my better country right here. But is it? (laughs) Is it? Is it really? And, and, and no offense, maybe God's calling you to Tennessee, and this is like some weird random like calling right now. I don't know. Um, or those of you that are watching online, maybe you're living in Tennessee. God bless you. It's a great place. But is that really the better country? Like, for example, if, if I lived here, would all my problems be solved? Would, would I be at complete peace? Would, would I just be living in bliss? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, okay. (laughs) No, no, just kidding. No, no. there would be issues, right? I imagine like the neighbor that I can't see behind the trees, like my dogs would run off and and poop in their yard, and they'd probably bring over a shotgun and be like, okay, we're going to settle this. And I don't know, terrible stereotype of Tennessee, I'm sorry. But there would be problems. I had um, someone who lived in Tennessee after first service come to me, and they're like, Matt. You don't understand, like Tennessee, it's like so humid in the summer and cold. (laughs) So, even confirming the reality, right? This is not my better country. But we all have our little daydreaming places where we think, oh, if only this would happen, then I would have my better country. Abraham, though, and Sarah, this family understood the promises of God. They understood the land of Canaan was promised to their lineage. And that was an actual physical place that would be better for them. God would bless them there to give them that land. But they also understood that they had a a far better country that was to come. Now maybe you've heard the saying, um, you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Have you heard something like that before? But I think as followers of Jesus Christ... Whenever we begin to realize that life is not just about here, but it's about eternity. The far better country that we were made for and designed for, that we'll live for forever and ever in with Christ. When we truly do place our focus on that, boy, it sure helps us trust God right now, doesn't it? When we have this type of view, boy, it sure helps me live for Jesus here today and trust him and obey him in the things and callings that he gives in my life. You see in Hebrews chapter 11, it goes on in verse 17 to say this By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Major hyperlink right there. Verse 18 It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. And he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. So stop right here. You have this idea, verse 17. By faith, by trust, Abraham was tested when he offered up his only son. Now, he had another son. Um, That son was not the son of the promise because he had taken matters into his own hand. Abraham was not a perfect obeying follower of God. He and Sarah messed up, messed up quite, quite majorly. And yet, God was gracious, gave them a son through the promise named Isaac. And many of you know the story that then God called Abraham to take Isaac up a mountain and basically sacrifice him. I mean, an incredible, brutal test. A few weeks ago, my son Samuel turned 13. And to commemorate him turning 13, becoming a teenager, I took him on a hike. And a couple of my friends and I were just kind of bouncing off ideas. Like, what could I do with Samuel on the hike to make this meaningful and describe to him what it's like to be a young man. And uh, a couple of my friends were just joking, like, oh, you should read the, the story of Isaac. And then just pull out, like, a pocket knife or something. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's, that's too dark and twisted, even for a pastor. But, uh, but thinking of Samuel, my boy, He's 13. I would do anything for Samuel. I would do anything for any of my kids. And to think that Abraham was called to give up, to sacrifice his son. But he had such deep-rooted faith, deep-rooted trust in the promise keeper that he was willing to do it. Incredible test. In our lives in 2020, I think we're just facing a major test. Um, I think potentially this could be the photo of the year. This was captured in the mountains of Santa Cruz, not far from where I grew up. Um, And it's a senior center in Ben Lomond, California, um, where they had a sign reminding people to keep their masks on and stay distant. And then there's a forest fire right behind the sign. And I feel like this just sums up 2020, doesn't it? Like all the things that we're concerned about and fearful about all in one photo. You know, the word of the year might be Zoom for 2020, Or in related note, the word of the year might be. uh, You got to unmute yourself, bro. (laughs) The word of the year might be unprecedented. But I think for followers of Jesus, our word of the year might be testing. That we are being tested right now. How deep will the roots of our faith really go? We've been talking about that through this series of Hebrews. And I don't think it's any accident that God lined up the book of Hebrews to be the very text that we study in 2020. I believe God here at Calvary Church wants to grow our faith deeper and to trust him. Abraham displayed it. Verse 19, it said, he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. He knew without even seeing it that God was the resurrection That he was the life. That word considered is not strong enough in the NASB. It actually should be a lot stronger than that in the original language. It should be he counted on that God is able to raise people from the dead. This was Abraham's faith. In Romans 4, it's actually a typo. This is It's my fault. But it's Romans 4.20, not 4.2. But Romans 4.20, we read this. Yet with respect to the promise of God... He did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God. Now, it's talking about Abraham here. But how cool if the name Calvary Church replaced this right here. Yet with respect to the promise of God, Calvary Church did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now put your name right here. Yet with respect to the promise of God, Matt did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Isn't that the kind of faith you want? Isn't it? Isn't this the type of follower of Jesus that you want to be? Not wavering, but allowing your your faith to grow deep as you're tested? This is the faith that God invites us to. Now moving on in Hebrews 11 verse 20, it says this. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on top of his staff. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus by the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. One of the beautiful things about Abraham's faith is that his family line followed in faith. You see generation 2.0 in Isaac, and we read his story in in Genesis. We see Jacob in Genesis 27 through 36, the third generation. We see Joseph in the final chapters of the book of Genesis, generation 4.0. Now, were any of these guys perfect in their faith? No, no way. Read the book of Genesis, some pretty ugly and gross things that they were involved in. And yet, they continued to believe in the, the promises of God. The book of Matthew in chapter 1, we often kind of skim over Matthew 1 because it's the genealogy. Remember all those names like begot, begot, begot? But in there, you see this powerful truth. Generation 42, that Jesus came out of the line of Abraham, David. And he is referred to in John 3 as the only begotten son. So in Hebrews 11, this is a hyperlink to back to Jesus. that, That Abraham by faith when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac was actually foreshadowing the ultimate sacrifice. Which was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ obeyed the father perfectly. His famous words in the garden, not my will but Your will be done. That's our Savior. That's our Messiah. That's our hero. That is Jesus. Jesus obeyed when you and I failed to obey. And so our faith is in Jesus. Our trust is in Jesus. He washes us clean. He makes us new. And then out of following Jesus, we have the ability to do what. Galatians 3 talks about, which is this: generation 2020, you and I, so to speak. if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3:29. So if you belong to Jesus, you are heirs along with Abraham in this promise, not only to bless the nations. But also an inheritance to come. A far and better country. Isn't that good? I should just encourage you to hear today. In the midst of a year of great testing, we can bank on the promise keeper. We can trust the promise keeper. He is faithful and he is good. This may be the first time you're hearing this. It's true. This may be, I don't know. The 800th time you're hearing this. It's true. The promise keeper is worth obeying in our lives. I've come across um, a new worship band that I really like. I just wanted to even, you can make a note of this and listen to it during this week. But it's called Maverick City Music. Have you heard of them before? They're out of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, they've been producing a ton of songs in 2020. And I've just been going on YouTube. You have to kind of sift through some commercials but just listening to song after song from this band this week. It's been been such a gift. In fact, worship music, not only here on Sundays, but also through your week. I encourage you to surround yourself with worship music. Make sure it's theologically good and correct, but, but surround yourself with music. And they have this song called Promises that just talks about what Hebrews 11 talks about. And so just a little kind of shout out to that. But here's where I want to leave it today. Where are you at? in obeying the promise keeper. Maybe, I'm just going to throw this out here, maybe some of you are being called to leave your land like Abraham was. Maybe you're being called to go overseas, to to serve uh, in a place that that needs the gospel. Will you obey that calling? That high priestly, keenly calling. Will you say yes to that? Maybe some of you are being called to obey the promise keeper by asking forgiveness for somebody, for reconciling with somebody in your life? Will you obey the promise keeper in that calling? Maybe some of us are just so overwhelmed by the testing of 2020 that we need to remember that our far better country is not Tennessee. It's not beyond an election. It is in heaven. (laughs) Set your eyes on things above. Maybe that's you saying yes to the promise keeper here today. Here's what I want us to do. Um, I would love in humility and just as a physical act of surrender, if you're able just to simply get on your knees, whether you're in this room or you're watching in your living room right now, would you just simply just get on your knees, if you're able, if you're willing to do this, if physically you can do it, just as as a symbol of humility, as a symbol of submission to the great promise keeper. And I just want to invite us as we're we're on our knees um, to follow me in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we are on our knees as as a church family, we first acknowledge that you are the great promise maker and promise keeper. God, forgive us for listening from to the lies that have been around since the garden, that obeying you is not good or somehow takes away our joy. God, we just fight against that, just lie right now and acknowledge, God, that following you, obeying you is good because you are the ultimate promise keeper. You are preparing a far better country for us to reside with you in. God, we know that there's some of... Some things you're asking us to do right now. There's some callings in our life that we've been slow to obey. Maybe because the football was pulled away from us at other times in our lives. I don't know, God. You know. But God, would you give us courage right now to say yes to your calling? To say, I obey your good and faithful call in my life because you are the promise keeper.